Welcome to Motive and Method. I'm Dr Xanthi Mallet. And I'm Tim Watson Munro. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Erin Patterson and that now infamous lunch that occurred on the 29th of July, where five people were invited to lunch and sadly three of them died and a fourth person remains in hospital requiring a liver transplant. Now, this has been the talk you know of the media and the public for a number of weeks now so today Tim and I are going to kind of break this down look at the evidence and we want to add that Erin has not been charged with anything um, this is simply an unexplained event at the moment so we're just going to look at the circumstances because ultimately fact can be stranger than fiction. Well it can be five people attended the lunch uh, in Leongatha Victoria uh, where they were fed Berf Wellington my mother used to make Berth Wellington. I loved it. It's a real delicacy dish. It's suspected to have contained death cap mushrooms, but that's yet to be formally confirmed. Don and Gail Patterson, who are both in their 70s, Aaron's ex-parents-in-law, as well as Heather, who is 66, and Ian Wilkinson, age 68, Aaron's ex-husband's uncle and aunt, were also at the lunch. Simon uh, Patterson her former husband, was invited to lunch, but he declined the invitation. And Erin uh, and Simon's two children were not there either. They went to the cinema. So it's a, it's a very grim case, isn't it? It is indeed. And it wasn't until the next day on Sunday the 30th that Don, Gail, Heather and Ian all became seriously unwell. They were hospitalised. Um, initially, it was thought that they just had gastro, but then their conditions deteriorated and they were actually transferred to hospital in Melbourne. Now, Erin also became unwell and attended hospital with diarrhoea and stomach pains. And on the Monday, she was also transferred to Melbourne and she was treated for poisoning where she was given a drug to support her liver. On the Friday, the 4th of August, so a few days later, sadly, Gail and Heather died from poisoning and Don also died the following day. They all died from the toxin they'd ingested. Correct. And the Reverend Ian Wilkinson remains seriously ill and he requires a liver transplant, as you've said. Our thoughts are with him and the family. It's a terrible case. What interests me as a criminal psychologist, and I'm certainly interested in your perspective as a criminologist... Erin retrieved the leftover Berth Wellington from the bin and gave it to health authorities for testing. She's not been charged, uh, but she's been named as a suspect because she prepared the meal that resulted in the deaths. And then there's the horny vex question of the dehydrator, mm -hmm. which she dumped in a bin, went to the local tip, and there was some obfuscation around the timing of all that. Yeah. So let's break this down. So we have a case where four people have ended up very seriously unwell in hospital. The suspicion is that death cap mushrooms are the toxin which has poisoned them. And in essence, death cap mushrooms, uh, the toxin attacks the liver and the kidneys. And the toxin only stays in the system for a, a couple of days. And death cap mushroom toxins kill somebody within six to ten days. So normally by the time they've died, the toxins have left the system totally. But and the damage is done. Damage is absolutely done. You know, it's out of the bloodstream in those couple of days, but it's attacking the liver and kidneys and ultimately the, those organs then shut down, which 
leads to death. So sadly, three of the individuals at the lunch succumbed. Um, and one individual, as you say, is still waiting a liver transplant, but apparently he is getting better. So that is at least good news. Erin was hospitalised. And so obviously that's going to be a point that the police will be looking at. Hmm. What caused Erin's symptoms? Were they the same as the others, etc.? Late onset. Yeah, a couple of days later and obviously less serious because the others were obviously much more unwell. Ultimately, three of them died. Erin did not have to stay in hospital. She doesn't need a liver transplant. So there are some questions around whether she ingested the same toxin, whether she ingested the same level of toxin as the other people at that dinner party. There's also suggestions that the children were fed the remains of the beef wellington. With the mushrooms scraped off. With the mushrooms scraped off. And you've got to kind of wonder if somebody would feed them that, you know, given a number of people have become ill in the interim. So there's all sorts of questions circling around the beef wellington. I've never seen a case before that centres on beef wellington, but here we are. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, and I think that's one of the reasons it's really gripped the public, hasn't it? Well, I think there's other things that grip the public as well. Her former husband had a mystery illness a year before. It's been reported that Simon Patterson nearly died from the mystery illness. It was a gut illness in 2022. And he suspected that his former wife, Erin, had tried to poison him uh, through an ingested toxin. So if that's established, uh, you've got a prior history, maybe. It's going to be difficult to establish now because it was never identified what led to his illness, but he was extremely unwell. He was in the ICU for 26 days. He was in an induced coma for 16 days. He collapsed at home. He had three emergency operations, one planned, and his family were advised to say goodbye to him twice. So... Yeah, it doesn't get Very any more. Ill. Yeah, it doesn't get any more serious than that in terms of you know he he almost died twice, so I think the hospital didn't actually identify what the toxin was in that case. But again, another tranche of the investigation will be, I'm sure, looking the the police looking at what potentially could have caused that illness and whether there is any link to to Erin or not, because that's something they need to rule in or rule out. It's a huge coincidence. All this in the one unlucky family in the space of 12 months. But you, I mean, you've, you've been doing this a long time too. How many very strange things have you seen and that you go, okay, yeah, you wouldn't have thought that was possible, but here we are, you know. So, so at the moment it is just a coincidence, but I have no doubt that the police are looking very carefully at that incident back in 2022. But there is another link here to the husband. So when his family were in hospital, he did say to Erin, is the dehydrator how you killed them? And she dumped the dehydrator in a skip. Now, for those of you who are listening that don't know what a dehydrator is, it's basically just dries out, you know, food stuff. So most people use it for fruit or whatever. And obviously, once it's been dried out or desiccated, you can keep it for longer. So it's a way of of keeping, you know, dried fruit. You can put them in the cupboard then and they last for months rather than days if they're fresh and hydrated. I wouldn't do it. I've got to say, I, you know, I like things fresh, but uh, oh, I don't you like it. dried apricots or something? I do. See? Uh, done yeah. in the factory, perhaps. Oh, yeah. I don't know that I'd do it at home. But lots of people have, you know, it's mm. a very normal thing to have in your home. Um, but yes, yeah, so this dehydrator has really, I think, become the very crux of this case, hasn't it? So the dehydrator, obviously Aaron had this at home. Simon in the hospital says, um, is that how you kill them? Aaron then has a bit of a panic and dumps the dehydrator at the skip. 
Now, this comes to the attention of the police, who obviously start looking at this. We've had three deaths and one very unwell person, so obviously they're investigating this as, you know, they don't know what's happened at this point. Is it an awful accident or is this something more sinister? They need to determine that. So Erin originally says that she dumped the dehydrator months ago um, or a long time ago, um, but she later then corrects that statement and tells them the truth that she only dumped it after everyone became ill. So the question is, what evidence is there in that dehydrator? And so if we're looking at death cap mushrooms, which the police have suggested is the likely toxin, now that hasn't been confirmed. They are looking for spores. And a toxicologist or mycologist who is a fungal expert has said that for that many people to become ill, you'd need at least 10 death cap mushrooms. So that dehydrator has been sent abroad. We don't have the expertise in Australia to look for those spores. But obviously the more mushrooms that have been in there, the more evidence you would expect to be left over. So I think really that dehydrator is the crux of this case. If there are spores from death cap mushrooms in that dehydrator, that's going to be very difficult for Erin to explain because remember she said she purchased the mushrooms, two sets of mushrooms, one from a Chinese grocer. In Forest Hill that's in cr- Melbourne. Yeah, in Melbourne, like three months before the lunch, like a long time in advance, dried mushrooms that had a handwritten label on them. And she bought more mushrooms, fresh mushrooms from a major supermarket, button mushrooms. She then rehydrated the dried ones from the Asian grocery and mixed them all together for the beef wellington. I don't think she's been able to identify specifically which grocer, um, but what we would say is that there's been no recalls of mushrooms. There's been no, the Victorian health authorities have not said that they're concerned about mushrooms. Mushroom sales are certainly gone down, but that's just public fear. But there's been no public statement saying, be cautious of potential mushroom poisoning, has there? I'm not aware of that ever being the case. Well, no, death cap mushrooms do not make it into the food chain. They are not grown for consumption, obviously, because they're one of the most, it's one of the most toxic substances is in foodstuffs in the world. It tends to be foragers who walk around forest floors, take them home and cook them and get very ill and die. Yeah. And, you know, there's always um, bulletins and warnings about mushroom season and don't go picking them. It's dangerous. You can't tell the difference between a death cap and any other sort of mushroom unless you're well qualified to do so. Um, as a general proposition... It, it, don't forage. Don't forage. And as a further general proposition, I can't imagine any supermarket or Chinese grocery or anything um, selling this type of product. And you would think if they had, there might have been other people that had fallen ill much sooner than these people. Yes, and that also hasn't happened. So she said she bought them three months previously. If death cat mushrooms got into the food chain by some awful accidental circumstance, you would think that they weren't just in that one bag that was purchased. You'd have to be very unlucky to get all of the all of the mushrooms in that one bag, all 10 in that bag, a minimum of 10, none in any other bag that anyone has ingested in the interim, and no health or st- authority statement saying if you've bought mushrooms in the last X months, six months, whatever, you have dried mushrooms in your cupboard, do not eat them. I agree. It hasn't happened. You know, the probability of that stacking up I think is very remote but it's not 
impossible. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But we should add that death cap mushrooms do grow in Victoria, in Gippsland, around this area. Not at this time of year, though. They're not growing. They weren't growing in July. So mm. it's not something that could have been fresh. So there's lots of questions over these mushrooms. The couple had an acrimonious relationship and had been living separately for several years before formally separating in 2021. Um, could, that, could that be a trigger for some of this instability well, in, look, in the family dynamic? Relationship breakups are never easy for people. Um, even if you're the one initiating it, it's it's, it's never easy. But uh, when you're the separatee, uh, inevitably you're going to be affected by it. Yeah. And in terms of the symptoms, I just want to go back to these mushrooms because these mushrooms are really, you know, the heart of this, aren't they? So the symptoms the victim suffered are consistent with death cat mushrooms, but we cannot assume that that is the toxin at the moment because that hasn't been confirmed. It's going to take a while for that to be confirmed because they would have actually had to get a sample of death, death cap mushroom toxin to test against. That may take in some time. And remember, we don't know whether this is an accident or whether this is going to become a criminal matter. So the tests that are done to determine if the toxins from the deceased, for example, and the surviving victim are in fact death cat mushroom toxin, then they have to make sure those tests are going to stand up in court. So they'll be testing potentially, <coughs> they'll be testing blood, they may be testing vomit, for example, and other samples from those individuals to determine exactly what they ingested. So we wait for answers to that while we, we find out, you know, when the toxicologists or the mycologists are really making that determination. Um, so really they're waiting to see, and that is going to be obviously linked to what evidence is recovered from the dehydrator, if anything at all. And then you might have a circumstantial case, but uh, we've discussed circumstantial cases in the past. Um, it doesn't mean that she's guilty. So let's look at the evidence we've got. Police searched Erin's home on the 5th of August. They seized a number of items, we know that, but we don't know what evidential value those items have yet. We know that I think it was the day before they retrieved the dehydrator from the skip that has gone abroad for testing. We know that toxicologists have been brought in from the Royal Botanical Gardens in Melbourne to look at potential testing for the deceased and, and ill individuals to determine if that was death cat mushroom toxin or not. So we've got a lot of evidence that's currently outstanding. And I think that, you know, people need to understand it's going to take a, a while to work through all of that. The police have to follow all of these lines of inquiry. They have to look at what potentially caused Simon's illness back in 2022. They have to look at many different paths to see whether this is an awful accident or something else. And they're currently putting all of those little you know, lines of inquiry out till they get their answers. So they'll be looking at the death, death cap mushroom toxin. They'll also be interviewing lots of people too. They'll be interviewing Erin. They'll be interviewing the survivor. Now, I'm not sure at what point he would have been able to give an interview to police because he was so seriously unwell. There was also a discussion that one of the deceased spoke to one of the ambulance crews when they attended. And there may be evidence there as to their kind of what would have been some of their last words. Mm. They'll obviously talk to the children and they'll be talking to Simon and any neighbours, etc. So there's a lot to be done before we're going to get an answer in this case. Absolutely. It's a very curious case, I must say. And uh, 
It would also be interesting to see, uh, I would assume when the husband went into hospital the year beforehand, they would still have test results. Yeah, I don't know whether they would have held them or not, though, because they would have had to have done blood tests and they wouldn't have looked for death cat mushroom toxin because it's so uncommon or... It could have been any other type of toxin he ingested. We just don't know. But whether they would keep those or not, once somebody is recovered... Oh, there would be blood analysis uh, stuff. They'd have records of all that. But if I they see didn't have the, the original blood, they may not be able to retest... Oh, they can't retest for, it, absolutely. ..for additional potential toxins. It's unlikely. We also know that Erin was formally questioned by police on Sunday the 6th of August... And on the 7th of August, she was formally named as a person of interest in the case. But the police have been very careful to say that they're not making any assumptions, they're working all lines of inquiry, because she's really been named because she made that meal. And it's that meal that made everyone unwell. So they're being very cautious at the moment, so people don't jump to conclusions. I mean, things look very suspicious, but, you know, that doesn't mean anything untoward has happened. It could be nothing more than a really bad series of events and an accident. Awful, yeah, somehow. It, it could be nothing more than that. We need to be very careful not to jump to conclusions, but I think everybody that I've spoken to, the press, so on, all have an opinion on this. Oh, everyone has an opinion on this. Yeah. I spoke to my dad last night in the UK and he had an opinion on this. Mm. So it's not even a case that's just resonating across Australia because it's so unusual. I mean, you called it unusual, didn't you? It's like... It's really out there in terms of um, all of the questions that remain. I think anything to do with poison and mushrooms, and it's it's almost Shakespearean, isn't it? Macbeth, you know, um, stirring up pots of poison to kill people. But I think it, it, it locks into people's consciousness at that level. And actually, she Erin has described... Exactly that, hasn't she? Do you remember she spoke in front of the press? She's now stopped speaking, but she did originally talk to the press when they turned up at her house. And I think it was it was a couple of days after she was questioned, so maybe on the Monday, the 8th of August, and she said uh, she was, you know, very sorry for the loss of her parents-in-law. She said she loved them, she was close to them. Um, and she said also she was not able to leave her home. She wasn't able to go and visit her sister because she's, and I'm quoting now, been painted as an evil witch. And I think the poisoning kind of goes back to that visual, does it? That kind of, you know, optic of having somebody stirring the, the mushrooms Absolutely. and the toxins uh, in a cauldron. medieval. It's an unfair image potentially. Exactly. I mean, all yeah. we know is she made birth Wellington and people have died. I think uh, we hope... Um, that the survivor continues to survive and we hope that there's more evidence that can be elucidated on this particular case. I mean, we must bear in mind too that she's lost her parents-in-law, her children have lost their grandparents. In awful circumstances. Uh, I mean, it's a horrible way to die ultimately. You know, your organs shutting down, this would have been... Painful. Very painful, very painful. I've seen people with kidney failure, it's not pretty. Yeah, it's just... And liver failure as well. So not pretty at all. And I guess, you know, you have to factor into this too, um, small country town dynamics. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knew the deceased. They were well-loved elderly people in the community. Uh, I don't think you can come back from this, whatever the outcome may be. Well, the survivor is a reverend in the community. So yeah. these are, you know, not that this should happen to anyone, but these are really well-known, well-respected, well-liked members of the community. And to lose so many 
in whatever circumstances, it's going to really rock this very tight-knit group. Yes, and she's been rocked. I read that she's now engaged a prominent Melbourne lawyer, Bill Derg. Um, I've heard other people around the legal precinct saying that she's engaged a high-profile QC, mm-hmm. KC. I don't know if it's true or not. But everybody is interested in what's going on with this case. The silence is deafening in my view. I can't imagine the police have just packed up their test tubes and gone home. Oh, no, no, no. Silence in the public does not mean nothing is going on within the investigation. And I've spoken to the media a little bit about this, and I know you have as well, and I've been asked a number of times, you know, why is it taking so long? Why aren't we getting information? Because they've got to be thorough. Three people have died and one is very unwell. They need to make sure they are absolutely sure in whatever conclusions they draw and they can prove them. Yes. In, in whichever direction that goes, either prove that this is an awful accident and if death cat mushrooms did end up in the food chain somehow, they need to find out how and when that happened. And whether it was accidental or intentional. And again, as we've discussed, the crux of the story is a dehydrator and whether there are spores that are detected there. Uh, because that may well... Uh, assist in solving this mystery. Yep, it certainly will. And I would caution people against making conclusions about her engaging a criminal lawyer as well, because certainly if I was Erin Patterson, I would be talking to a criminal lawyer too, just to cover all bases to make sure that my I was fully protected and I was well advised. Yeah, I don't think there's anything unusual in that at all. And uh, Given the profile, the opprobrium that she's received in some quarters, obviously you would seek legal advice. She's been named as a person of interest, so ultimately you would make sure that you were legally protected. Absolutely. And it doesn't follow that she's guilty, of course. But um, fascinating case. Yes, and Erin has now provided a lengthy police statement. She originally gave a no-comment interview, but she she then subsequently, after seeking legal counsel, has given a a police interview and made a statement. Um, But weirdly, that was actually released to the media. So that was quite an unusual move, and I think the police were slightly off-footed by that because they hadn't had a chance to check the veracity of the statements in that in that document before it was actually out in the public domain. So that was a bit of an unusual twist again in this case. It's full of them, isn't it? It's like a windy road, this case. Um, And we've also seen Don and Gail were laid to rest at public memorial in Gippsland after they had a private funeral, but they wanted to have a public memorial because, you know, to allow the public to... To grieve. To grieve. And have closure, although I think that's a long way. Off, frankly. Yes, I think we need a lot more answers before the family is going to get closure. So imagine how this family is suffering now. All four grandparents in one incident have been either died or very unwell. So, yes, we're going to certainly need more answers before this family can get any kind of resolution and the community as well, because I don't think we can understand the impact this will have on them more broadly. We certainly have a long way to go before we understand all of these elements and how they fit together. So I guess the big questions now for the police and for the public, and we're kind of waiting for these to be answered, was this an awful accident? Was it something intentional? And if it was intentional, who is responsible for that? And the crux is going to be the dehydrator. Are there death cat mushroom spores in that dehydrator? If there are, that calls into question some of Erin's statements in terms of the fact that you know she bought them dried. If there aren't, then that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, 
that there weren't any there, it means that none have been recovered. So we're still going to have some big questions. Watch this space. Absolutely. So that was Motive and Method, looking at Erin Patterson and the unfortunate deaths in Victoria. We will, of course, bring you up to date if anything new breaks, which we will get information being released as and when the police have that. So, um, yeah, as Tim said, watch this space. I'm Tim Watson-Munro. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Motive and Method. And remember, if you're loving the show, you can give us a review, you can subscribe to our channel and feed, and you can recommend us to friends and family. You can also set up a bell notification alert so that you'll know first when a new episode is available. I'm Tim Watson-Munro. And I'm Dr. Xanthi Mallet, and we'll be back next week with a new episode. <laughs>